Okay, welcome back. And let's get back to the topic that is, well, pretty much on everybody's lips, it seems. Whether or not we should be keeping face masks over our lips. With wastewater data indicating cases are on the rise, some were wondering if we were headed here in the province of Ontario, in fact, maybe right across the country, back to some sort of masking mandate. For the first time in a long time, we heard from the province's top doctor, Dr. Kieran Moore, who had this to say. But there are actions that we can take to help manage the impact of this wave, such as layering the personal protective measures we have adopted so well over the last two years, even when they may not be legally required. These include a strong recommendation to continue wearing a well-fitted three-layer mask or use of a medical mask in all public indoor settings. All right. Colin Furness is an infectious control epidemiologist at the University of Toronto and joins us now for more on this. Colin, good afternoon. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks. All right. Considering the uh, data, the numbers, where we are, where we think we are right now, is a strong recommendation. The words there we just heard from Dr. Kieran Moore is a strong recommendation. Is it enough when it comes to face masking? And I think it's one of those ironies that while uttering those words, Dr. Moore was in violation of the Quarantine Act, which required him to wear a mask because he was only just returned from international travel. This is how new, brutal variants enter the country, right? Through people who return from traveling and don't adhere to, in this case, what are laws. So he's saying he wants people to wear masks. That's what his words are saying, but his face and his, his maskless face is really saying the opposite. So I think there's a lot of mixed mixed messaging, and a lot of people, if there isn't clear direction, clear requirement, are just not going to do it, and that puts a lot of people at risk. So it's it's a muddy situation, and I think we're, we're in far greater risk than we need to be if we just had a simple rule about this. Well, having said that, and this is a common theme, something we've talked about for the better part of uh, two years now, mixed messaging and whether or not we're well enough equipped, do we have uh, enough data, do we have the right to tools, and by that I mean the uh, public here, are we being asked to uh, manage risk with uh, maybe uh, as much mixed messaging as we've ever seen and as less data as we've ever had? Well, the, the lack of data is worrisome, and I'm, I am a bit surprised by how well um, the strategy of limiting data, limiting testing, making it look like there's less COVID, how well that's actually worked, that there are a lot of people walking around out there without a mask, not because they're heartless, not because they're reckless, but because they actually are believing this narrative um, that, that there isn't COVID. So you have people who I think want freedom and don't care about safety wearing, not wearing masks, and you have people who are trusting what they're being told by the provincial government not wearing masks. Those are strange bedfellows, but both of them are creating more risk than we need, more risk than we need to have. And when I think about places like schools, it makes me really sad. Uh, what does the data tell us, Colin, just how much safer are we by keeping our masks on, particularly in indoor public spaces? It's actually a hard thing to measure. In Ontario, the timing lined up such that we took masks off and then cases soared. We can't attribute 100% of that to taking masks off. In a different province, masks come off at the same time and cases don't soar right away, but inevitably they do. Essentially, you can light a match in a forest and the forest doesn't catch fire on one day, but in a different part of the forest on another day, you light a match and the whole thing goes up. So it's a question of risk. If you create more risk, you're creating more room for the virus to, to, to 
take hold and to multiply. And if it's in a position where it's ready to do so, then you're really accelerating that. So that's what we did in Ontario. We didn't cause the wave by taking our masks off, but we took our masks off at the worst possible time. And we knew that. We had enough modeling data to know that, to see that was coming. Same pattern as we had uh, before the third wave, where cases seemed to be decreasing, but there was a new variant on the rise, and the government ignored that. So we, we've seen an, an identical pattern this time, only it's worse, because instead of just ignoring it, we actually moved backwards. We, we, we eliminated the, the basic protections that we had and have basically caused this wave to be as bad as it can be, as opposed to something that I think done differently would have been a little bit more of a blip. Yeah. How much of a protection is a face mask, though? Because I think a lot of people are sort of doing the math or trying to do some sort of risk assessment for themselves. Some people, you're right, uh, feel comfortable without the mask, want to, uh, you know, continue uh, on and live life without the mask. Some others are questioning whether or not they really should take it off. And I think people are just kind of wondering, if I keep my mask on, does that give me, I don't know, 75% uh, protection or less chance of contracting this uh, latest variant? That's a really important question, and the answer is a little complicated. First of all, you have to consider that a mask works in two ways. It protects you, uh, or it can protect you from, what, from, from the exhalations of others, from virus in the air, and it can also protect other people from your exhalations. If the mask isn't well-fitting, then those protections drop a lot, especially those to yourself. So wearing a, you know, a blue medical mask, if it's a, a high-quality blue medical mask, that's pretty good fabric for stopping viruses. But if you're breathing in and out around the edges of the mask, then obviously it doesn't matter what the mask is made out of. So you have to decide, are you trying to protect yourself or trying to protect others? Are you wearing a mask that fits? And if, uh, like me, your focus now is, I want to protect myself, I want my kids to protect themselves, it's an N95 mask, which has a, a fabric that is amazing at stopping viral particles. Uh, it stops them with electrostatic attraction. The straps are tight enough that the mask sits snugly against the face. That is an amazing tool, and you would be impervious to infection if everyone was wearing one. I impervious. We would have no pandemic if everyone snapped one of those on, a properly fitting N95 mask. There would be no transmission. If I'm wearing an N95 mask and nobody else is, I might be good for a couple of hours uh, in, in a... In a medium-sized room without great ventilation before enough virions got through in order to make me sick. So much depends if you're protecting yourself on the type of mask you're wearing, how well-fitting it is, what other people are doing, and how small and well-ventilated your airspace is. Okay, that might have answered my next question, was how concerned should I be that somebody else is not wearing, or has chose not to wear a mask if I've got one on? I mean, as long as I'm wearing one, am I fairly protected? I'm taking care of myself. Should I be that concerned that somebody else, maybe in my uh, space, is not wearing one? It's, it's always safer when everyone's wearing one. That's, as I say, if everyone is wearing an N95, there is no transmission. Like, it's, it's I think, the, the technical number is something like 25,000 hours of exposure time. Uh, before before you would accrue enough virions. That's if everyone is wearing an N95 mask. If other people aren't, then it gets down to, are they infected? Well, you don't know. Are, is the ventilation in the room good? Well, you may not know. Uh, what is the carbon dioxide levels in the room? What is the, you know, we, we, you don't know. Air quality is invisible. So, you know, what I, what I say about masking is you want an N95 mask to protect yourself, and then you want to be smart enough to not end up in prolonged, uh, situations where you're in an enclosed space with other people who aren't masked. Just, just, just avoid that. Avoid that as much as you can. Minimize it. And, and together, that strategy should keep you safe. 
no one in my family has got COVID. That's partly luck. It's partly just good fortune. Um, not being in those situations, but also being really meticulous with putting on an N95 when you're going to share air with other people. At the same time that the provincial government, Dr. Kieran Moore, was strongly recommending that we keep masks on in this province, the irony was not lost on us as we were covering this. So Colin, Philadelphia announced at the pretty much the same time they would be the first major U.S. city to reintroduce a masking mandate for indoor public spaces. Do you think a couple of weeks from now, are you concerned, are you fearful that uh, we've made the wrong decision here, that we're going to look back thinking we should have maybe followed Philadelphia's lead? Well, I know we've made the wrong decision, especially with respect to schools. I don't think there's any doubt at all. We're, we, wearing masks wouldn't have stopped the second variant, the BA2 variant. It wouldn't have stopped an increase in cases, but it would have kept it to a minimum. Our schools could be completely safe right now. We could have no transmission in schools right now. And that's if every student was wearing an N95 mask. Instead, we've got rampant transmission. And, you know, those kids only half are vaccinated under the age of 12, which is terrifying to me. And their younger siblings under five have a 0% vaccination rate. So Omicron is a dangerous virus when you're not vaccinated. And even though a lot of people think kids don't get COVID, the problem is they do. It's just not always so visible, but the harm is real. And we're seeing hospitalization rates under four really high. The only, the only rate that's higher are senior citizens. So we've actually got hospitalization rates for kids under five at the same level as senior citizens, who we've recognized for a long time are really vulnerable to COVID. So, yeah, we made the wrong call. I think the, the call to not wear masks was not science-based. It was not a public health decision. It was an ideological political decision. I think it's an election platform. I think Mr. Ford wants to be the guy who ended the pandemic and who brought in this good news and who proved to everyone that we could return to normal. Uh, and, and I think at the time when this was announced, I suggested that even if I were his advisor and trying to help him win the election at any cost, I wouldn't have advised that because it was going to amplify a bad problem rather than accomplishing what he wanted to do. So I think it was done for political reasons. And I think it was a stupid political move as well as a really harmful public health move. All right, just finally, I wanted to ask you, the World Health Organization, you said that they were analyzing what they believe to be two new Omicron subvariants. This is the last news any of us wants to hear, identified as BA4 and BA5. Uh, finally, just uh, what can you tell us about these new subvariants? Well, the appearance of new subvariants, I guess, shouldn't be surprising. In a sense, it's inevitable, but it is really accelerated by having an entire population infected. And that's another problem with taking off masks. We may brew a new local Ontario subvariant. I've heard talk that perhaps that has already happened. In terms of those two, uh, sometimes what happens is one person manages to get infected with two different strains of coronavirus at the same time. And if they encounter each other in a cell, they will swap, and, and so you get actually entirely new combinations, genetic combinations coming out of that. Much of it wouldn't matter, but occasionally a combination will, uh, will appear that ends up being more effective, and that seems to be what's the case there. They're more transmissible, uh, which is concerning. Um, I think that one of them, or it's a possibly a different variant, subvariant, has, has acquired some traits from Delta, which is concerning because Delta was more virulent. It, it caused more severe illness. So if, if you're going to let everyone get sick, and some people are going get, to get sick twice with two different strains, you're creating really ideal conditions for these to emerge. And it's, in a sense, it's inevitable. If these two subvariants are far more contagious, um, then it's going to cause another wave. If they're not, 
and they and they come here really soon, um, they may just fold into the wave that we have, and that's that would be pretty hard to judge at this point. All right, Colin Furness with the University of Toronto. Colin, appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks. And we're back after a quick break. Stay with us. You're listening to the Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the ring.